Welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Cartel. We're breaking news. Jeffrey Sue was kicked out of a gym yesterday for all the ridiculous things, I'm sure. So um, before I get into Sue, though, we do have an awesome guest joining us today, Sam Miller. He, we're going to be talking about the adrenals and how they tie into thyroid health. He's got some awesome background in that. But uh, I want to turn it to Sue because you've got a captivated audience right now hearing about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure people uh, saw my social media yesterday. It got quite a bit of a bit of attention, um, but basically, you know, I've been training at a gym, and uh, you know, I already went out and, s- and I said it, you know, so it's Encompass Fitness in uh, Ashland, Massachusetts, and it's a sister gym of Encompass Fitness in Marlboro, which I was booted out of last year because I wasn't agreeing with the the owner there, and so the, the gyms are owned by a group of individuals. And so I went over to this one. I've been training out of this one for, you know, probably about a year. And I guess, you know, the sensitivity with COVID and everything, people were like, oh, you know, you know, this guy's always training with his socks, you know, because I don't wear shoes when I train, you know, it's better proprioception, you know, I train with socks, especially on leg day. Um, You know, I use chalk, you know, when I'm leg pressing, you know, 12 plates per side, you know, I'll let out like some grunts, you know, the occasional fuck yeah, you know, when I, when I get the, get the set. Wait. So wait, you 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 just yell out "fuck yeah" in the gym? Yeah, I'm like "fuck yeah," got the fucking set, you know. So so like so I mean, no you know, wonder you're I'll getting pose in the mirror and stuff, and like you know, I, like and seriously, dude, like there's like five people in the gym at all times when I go. There's like nobody there. So the people complaining are like some fucking old dude, like on his fucking bike, like like reading read like reading like farmer's digest or something like he probably like complained about me so anyway the owner was like you know we've been getting way too many complaints about you so i gotta i gotta kick you out because you know right now i need all the money that i can get you know for memberships and if they're gonna quit because of you you know you gotta go and i was like dude i'll pay you for every member that leaves because of me i'll pay you double for every membership and then he's like no no, no i can't do that he's like you have to leave tomorrow's gonna be your last day so I had a client who happened to be visiting from San Diego, not to just see me, but she was in Boston visiting a friend. So I was scheduled to train her. And so we still went and trained today and we took a picture and I was like, you can't ban greatness. So then I took my mag bars, my poster, and I got a refund for my membership for the month and the money that I keep on my account so I can grab like waters and stuff out of the fridge. And I left and that was it. <laughs> nice. So, but you know, you know, I was like, I was like, dude, it's so unfair. Like you never told me like, I can't wear socks or like that I was being loud. Like nobody ever like talked to me about that stuff. They did say like clean up the chalk and like, you know, wear your mask and all that shit. And I've been doing that. So now it's like the socks. Now it's the posing. Now it's the fuck yeah on the leg press. Well, fuck you encompass fitness. So that's that. But you know what, Jeff? Other than that, you know, I had, I signed like 10 clients last week. I got six on the wait list now. I'm signing the purchase and sale in my house tomorrow, closing 10-1. Um, I put my notice in at my apartment complex. I'm going to get the, sh- the fuck out of this like 2,000 square foot or no, 1,000 square foot, like two grand a month apartment here and uh, moving on up. So dude, life is good. Nothing can fucking stop me, you know? <laughs> I hope all that stays good. I'm still blown away. <laughs> I'm just picturing someone in my gym being like, fuck yeah, on the leg press. And I'd be like, fuck yeah. You know? Fuck yeah, right? <laughs> well, dude, you know, we can't all be, you know, bearded, you know, manly men, you know, in, 
in Tennessee, you know, up here in Massachusetts, things are a little different. Yeah, but you can move out of that fucking picture. You get get somewhere else. He's like, this is such a wonderful place to live. I get thrown out of the gym. I have to bid 60 grand more than the ask price on his house. (laughs) And I pay 90 grand in taxes. I love this fucking place. Like, dude, that place sucks. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you live like a king down here making the money you did. And best part is I won't throw you out of my gym, Sue. You'd be allowed to say all the fuck yeahs. You could even be doing like working your shitty hamstrings and be like, fuck yeah, shitty hamstrings. <laughs> 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 Clapping you along the whole time. These fucking things. It's, it's just bro. so stupid. I'm hey, you know, you know, Jeff, what's really interesting though? This weird thing happened, right? So like you guys don't, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I'm really into like, like not really into, but kind of into <laughs> astrology. Okay. All right. Like I'm an Aquarius. Okay. So I so was, you know, I read like, Aquarius. you know, you know, the, the horoscopes every now and then. And my horoscope actually said that some, it, it, it said word for word, like you are talked about more than you know, then you're, you're like, you know, on the minds of more people than you know. And somebody will be reaching out to you this week to offer a partnership because they value your work. And so after all that bullshit happened yesterday, the owner of another gym in a town near me reached out and said, I heard through the grapevine you're no longer with Encompass. I'd like to meet with you to see if my gym can be your new home. Nice. So I'm meeting with him tomorrow yeah. and going in person Great. this weekend. Just, so that just was- make sure you tell him that you say fuck yeah after you like lift weight. <laughs> I'm going to show up covered in chalk, <laughs> wearing socks and a tank top with my picture on it. You know that Junior USA's yeah. last place? Yes. Front double bicep picture. Yes, I I'm like, this is who I am. Take me as I am. <laughs> Go in yeah. in your posing trunks and see if you, you really You might find your home, your real home. <laughs> yeah, I hope you find your home, little boy. I hope you find your home. All right, Jason, how are you doing? How are those balls doing, man? Dude, this is some <laughs> bullshit, man. So I'm on like day 14. I just went and trained today, man. Like, so I had to go to the doctor yesterday because shit's my left nut's still hurting, like just hurting. And so I had like a sperm granuloma, basically like sperm, sperm leaks out or they like tied you off a little bit. And then it becomes like inflamed because it's not supposed to be outside the body. It's supposed to be in the uh-huh. tube. So they, it senses like an inflammation type, you know, uh, deal. So basically all you can do is like hot baths to get it to break down and then fucking ibuprofen and Motrin. And he's like, you can do anything you want. You can train, whatever. It's probably gonna be painful more than you train, but you're not like hurt or anything. You just got to like let it run its course. So that's been fun. You know, like it's one of those things where like Murphy for me, like if it, if it can go wrong, it's been going wrong. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I'm still happy. I'm still in a good mood. And like I said, I took three days off and then went and trained today kind of light, but I blew the fuck up. Cause I guess I was just rested. Um, business is good. I'm bringing on two new coaches. I haven't announced them yet, but they're both very good. We're in the process of doing that. The new Scooby prep website launch for team Scooby. Uh, making a push to bring on more coaches and just, you know, kind of build that out. Um, and then Vince and I recorded for uh, New Ethics Hybrid Coaching Academy certification uh, this weekend. So uh, we put down probably about 60% of level one, which should be called the practitioner. And uh, we're looking to launch that sometime end of October. So that probably means like mid-November, um, but we're trying end of October. So I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, things divest, are going pretty well. Divest on that. What's that? What? So if I'm a coach, listen to this. What? What would I get? From yeah. So like, if you're your a coach, program? so well, you would pick us because we teach functional principles along with physique enhancement. 
So it's no longer just here's macros, here's that. You're going to know how to troubleshoot digestion. You're going to know how to troubleshoot hormones and all those different things that you need really in this kind of climate to stand out, in my opinion. So that's why it says hybrid, New Ethics Hybrid Coaching Academy. And um, so Vince and I were pretty much the perfect people to kind of put that together. So we're putting our heads together and getting it done. We've hired a badass video guy, marketer, and um, he was there all weekend shooting with us. And uh, we got a guy who does all the quiz type stuff. He runs that type of software. We've got him in the fold. So we'll have quizzes and everything. It'll be legit. Um, it'll be something you obviously you can put, you know, on your Instagram and on your signatures and everything that, you know, you've been through our courses. So we're excited about it. Do I get the private one-on-one -on -one course? Man, you always get a private one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, that's the fucking answer I was liking. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, it sounds like you're doing good. So I actually have two coaches coming on underneath me. Um, I'm excited about yeah, that. I'm going to you an email. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so I kind of get some framework. But yep. no <clears throat> um, I'm excited about that because it's me expanding in the online and the in-person underneath me. So I'm, uh, both of them are great coaches. and I think they're going to do great out there. Uh, I got some cool Iron House stuff because I've been working with Jason Phillips and my team on growing Iron House, and we kind of have narrowed down some things we were doing wrong, and he's helping us correct them. And so far, it looks like the uh, the juice has been worth the squeeze with Mr. Jason Phillips. For anyone out there who's uh, considering hiring old J boy, he's 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 been awesome. I have no complaints. He's been very responsive and so forth. Um, the other thing is, you know, I turned forty in thirty days, guys. Does that mean it's like a great, it's a great decade, man? Is it like DILF status when I officially hit forty? Do I, I, I like, like, do I like DILF status? <laughs> I don't status? know, man. Maybe I think so. All right. Well, maybe I should put a poll on my my Instagram, ladies. Am I DILF status once I hit? 40? <laughs> guys can reply too. I mean, if guys, if you want to tell me I'm a DILF, I'm not going to say no. But um, also, we got the guys trip next week down in Destin. That's going to be fucking fun as shit. It's going to be a great seven group of guys going. I am going to be, I don't drink much, as Jason will tell you. He will confirm. I drink maybe a handful of times a year. But I'm probably going to punish my liver and drink nothing but Medipure on the car ride back Sundays. So, <laughs> I told everyone, I was yeah. like, for all the years I babysat you all, Jeff Black is not being, is being babysat this weekend. Cause I'm gonna that's stay. right. But we got a uh, boat for Crab Island on uh, Friday. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be cool. But there's, it's going to be a fun time. Um, real quick, before I get to our guest, Sam, we have the PEC Denver. We have picked our three coaches. I'm getting a hold of those who are, who are doing it. I might, 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 keyword, might, add a fourth. We will see. It all depends upon scheduling and COVID and things like that. To all the coaches who were not selected, please understand that there were some, it was really, really tough for Jason and I uh, to go through a lot of these and pick. And what we decided was we have another three, four that we will bring out to Nashville when we do that one with different subjects in like March, April of next year. We're going to keep this trend going where we'll bring on coaches who can come. And for those of you who weren't selected, your stuff will be is awesome. It was just a matter of what we felt would be the overall vibe we were trying to do. Um, tickets are still available. PhysiqueEducationCollective.com. I think we got like 18 seats left or something like that. Um, we're capped at 50 due to COVID. So be sure to, if you're going to get a ticket, you know, go ahead and do that. And I think Thera will be updating the website with the hotel around there because it's in Wheaton, Colorado. Um, the other thing is our sponsor, Amino Asylum. TEC 15 saves you 15%. Those guys have been awesome. I know everyone's been raving about the pyro, which is like Yohimbi and Albuter all together. And I was like, dear Lord, I'd probably jump out of my skin doing that. I came, 
I do like a two hits of LSD, you know, microdose, and I'm like crawling out of the wall. So I can imagine what that would do for that's, me. Like, that's that's the sweet spot, I think. Yeah, no, I do. I think that that's true. But um, anyway, guys, show some support, love on them, because I'll be honest with you, the TEC stuff through Osmino Asylum is allowing us to do this PEC because the revenue it generates from it, we are using and putting it back into the PEC to make it a better experience for everyone. Um, it's something we decided to do. And then we have the best reviews going on. You guys got like five more days to write about how beautiful I am or how a, a hamstring routine for Jeffrey Sue, or perhaps, you know, an ice pack suggestion for Jason Balls, whatever you guys want to write about, you know, just go ahead and put it on there. The reviews, we're looking for the best one in the next 30 days. I got like 300 bucks worth of shit sent to me from Amino Asylum that I'm giving away. So, um, you know, that's going to be totally badass. But I want to turn it to Sam Miller now. Sam, I'm quite sure that your last seven days, hopefully, has been as exciting as all of our conversation has been. Man, I don't know that I can compete with the extracurricular activities <laughs> going on in this group. So, um, you know, I've, I've been listening to the podcast. I know you guys always give Jason a hard time that you want the glute ham shots um, and, and Gorman as well. But uh, my, my last week's been busy running a workshop for uh, we had about 320 coaches register. Uh, I've got 250 in my Facebook community. And so that's a three-day functional nutrition and metabolism science workshop. Uh, so kind of similar to Jason's goals with um, new ethics and, and that practitioner program, this workshop will sort of feed into one of my mentorship programs, which will be 12 weeks long, uh, starting in September, covering, you know, hormones, functional nutrition, uh, and metabolism science. And once again, kind of that same, same premise that you're going to get to a point where macros aren't necessarily enough. You don't want to be the coach that's solely relying on three numbers to, uh, you know, execute your protocols. And I think there's so many other things that go into it. I actually have like seven pillars or 10 main toggles that I encourage coaches to use in transformations beyond just, you know, protein, carbs, and fats, uh, which I would consider to just be one thing, which is kind of your macronutrient profile. Uh, so that's what I've been up to, recorded three or four podcasts and uh, just got back from a little West Coast trip visiting a friend's facility. And uh, also uh, one of my good buddies just had a had his first son. So it was kind of out there, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. So making this tour, and, and now I'm back to chat with you guys and hear about the shenanigans and uh, <laughs> you know, different things that I didn't know existed. So <laughs> <laughs> we're good for that. I, I'll tell you what, funny before... I'm getting tagged because what put something out where they're showing about people in their HRV and psychedelic use. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I'm presenting on it in eight October. I've got a bunch of that. I've been doing it yeah, to myself. I shared it for you. Yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't the LSD microdosing that got me. It was the, uh, the vasectomy, uh, mishaps. That <laughs> oh, well, that, new things. Listen, man, I went and had my vasectomy done in January and I'm telling Jace, I'm like, look, it's weird. The only weird part is the guy cradling your balls is he snipping you. That's about yeah. the, about the most the surgery was cake it's been yeah, this fucking recovery dude did they give you value before it? did they give you huh? volume before it yeah. oh dude so they gave me volume that was probably the, i was so happy on that shit i was like oh, uh, God, like i want to buy more of that and i'm like look at yeah. me that prescription that yeah. was a good day for me i didn't need it the surgery was fine man it yeah, was it was you. it's been aftermath i'm sorry man i would say like you know i kiss it make it better but that would just be totally good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little weird jeff don't you call me like a weird mystery yelling at the leg press fuck yeah fuck yeah like, <laughs> right. we all got our own levels weird so right. but um so sam i met you at jason phillips um conference they had down in franklin he was so nice to invite my team and so forth we connected early on we got the chat and i was i've been digging in on you and realizing you do a lot of what the three of us like to do which is helping people 
from a standpoint besides sicko or from macros, which is great. Um, but you had a, you were talking to me about some of your background and I'd like for you to kind of talk about your background real quick and what got you in to understanding the hormones so forth and, and the major role they play. And then from there, let's break it down into the adrenals and the thyroid for today's topic and let's get it going. Sure. So my interest actually started on the men's health side. Um, you know, like, like most coaches, I think, you know, we, we have our own selfish interest in our transformation. Now, ultimately the goal is you become uh, less selfish over time and more self-actualized in that you realize the, the mission is really to help others. But for me, it all started out, I had a pretty significant TBI. So I had a concussion uh, when I was in my teens and I noticed, you know, it's actually through my chiropractor that we noticed some irregular blood work. My primary care physician didn't necessarily pick it up, uh, all through early years in college kind of, uh, was putting in the work in the gym, uh, you know, had, had solid diet, uh, you know, lots of effort going forward with my strength training and just noticed I wasn't necessarily seeing, uh, the same level of progress that maybe you would expect, especially given that, you know, I got certified when I was like 17 or 18, tried to, you know, read old forums like intestmuscle.com to, uh, get information from, from the good guys. I actually, uh, learned quite a bit about the HPA axis and, and my particular, you know, pituitary issues that I was having from, uh, Scott Stevenson, who I think you guys, uh, all know at this point. Mm -hmm. So he played a large role yeah. in kind of mentoring me and teaching me a lot of that as well as John Meadows always have to kind of give him a shout out because he definitely played a role with Scott in terms of just the overall like quality of education that I received. So my, my interest really started with my transformation, but I, what, what I noticed over time was that more and more clients that were coming to me weren't these conventional weight loss cases of I'm eating too much and I'm not exercising enough. And you know, you're just lazy, right? It's, it's really the folks who uh, maybe this type A personalities are burning the candles at both ends. They are training intensely. They are under recovered. It's, you know, impacting their sleep and their overall quality of life. And I really, um, I sort of connected with those people because I was a person who was doing a lot of the correct things, but, uh, it wasn't until I really was able to understand my labs, understand what was going on from a physiological perspective that I was able to kind of move myself forward. Uh, because, you know, even at that time, I think when I got to college, I was around like somewhere around 130 pounds, which at my height is not healthy at all. Um, and so, you know, I actually just recorded a podcast on this, but basically intentionally gained like over 60 pounds just to, you know, be able to, you know, achieve my goals and basically do like the longest reverse diet ever. Um, but that, that was definitely where my interest stemmed from. And then seeing so many individuals who either had, uh, you know, maybe it was adrenal, thyroid, uh, reproductive health. So whether that's birth control, uh, guys with lower testosterone levels. And uh, my first foray into teaching was more on the uh, men's health and, and basically androgen deficiency. But I branched into adrenal, thyroid, and women's health, just seeing that number one, like a huge percentage of the individuals that need help are female, and also that we all have adrenals and thyroid. And so it makes sense kind of have that, that cross um, sort of level of understanding between all the topics. I think one thing that happens, um, fortunately, this doesn't happen as much in the functional space, but you'll see it on Instagram and social media and stuff is people will talk about these issues in silos. And I really think that they're all very integrated. And so to separate like thyroid from testosterone, well, if you're a guy and you know, your body perceives some level of stress or energy deficiency, that thyroid change could, you know, influence testosterone as well as your testosterone being low, um, can kind of go hand in hand with hypothyroid. 
and, and vice versa. So I started to see where all of these issues sort of connected and really tried to bridge the gap between basically macro coaching uh, and medicine because there's this gray area and I didn't really see uh, anyone else uh, filling that and obviously didn't know you guys at the time. And so for me, this was probably over 10 years ago. And uh, so my last few years have been focused on educating hundreds of coaches and uh, providing them with quality information that goes beyond just protein, carbs, and fats um, and uh, addressing it, kind of looking at individuals and, and everything that they have going on, not just, uh, you know, their calorie total and the amount of cardio or, or strength training that they're doing. Nice. So you said something, abnormal blood work from your chiropractor. Which particular part of your blood work was abnormal that your chiropractor said, hey, I think there's something else going on here? So for me, it was a combination. Uh, we had pulled a couple different series of things. So I've had times in my life where um, it was those hormonal precursors. So whether it was like a TSH or LH, um, I've had times where testosterone was lower for me. Um, and obviously for me at the time, it's hard to tell because I, I did have that head injury, but then also um, I, I was kind of the guy that would go into Barnes and Noble or Borders books and pick up a magazine and read about, you know, men's health diet and, and, you know, here have the, have abs and get jacked, but you know, it's the same templated meal plan that they give, you know, 40 to 45 year old guy who needs a, a calorie deficit to lose his beer gut. Um, so for me, it was kind of a combination of nutritional missteps and the head injury, uh, was kind of, I'd say under eating for a period of time. And so for me, it definitely showed up. Um, I've seen it, you know, testosterone, thyroid, obviously cortisol as well. Uh, and my, my focus was really elevating, elevating those and not being in a place where I had to uh, rely on prescriptions because I even had primary care physicians trying to put me on uh, dopamine agonists, you know, things like, uh, you know, your Docinex or, or Cabergoline, which basically, you know, would be if they think you have like a pituitary prolactinoma, or something of the sort, uh, or you'll obviously see that used in, uh, in cycles. Like if you need to control side effects, uh, of certain, uh, uh, certain PEDs. So basically, you know, for me, it was kind of figuring out, like, I don't necessarily need to be on all of these things. And like this polypharmacy doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And so figuring that out, but for me, it was more the lack of stability in the levels rather than just one, like perpetually, um, you know, low thing all the time. Excellent. You guys got anything you want to chime in? Not until we get into like the adrenals and thyroid, you know. Yeah, you can keep leading him in. You can keep leading him in. (laughs) Leading him in. That's I'm leading you on, buddy. All right. So, so you go down this. Where was your aha moment? Like, where, where, like, what, what, like, what made it all click? And then, what did you decide to do in that moment that kind of got you your life back? Because you said you put sixty pounds on. So for you to have this aha moment to put 60 pounds on and and know what you're doing to yourself, you had to have had like a light bulb moment go off. I was going to ask that, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So people ask me that and it was so long ago now at this point, um, I I think just realizing, like, I just got frustrated. I wasn't necessarily hitting my goals. I hired, um, hired, uh, coaches in college. I think I was one of the, you know, few guys that was in my late teens that actually reached out for actual expertise or perceived expertise. Um, had a decent experience with, with my first coach, I think based on my situation was probably like still food and cardio were, were a little bit off, but fortunately I think it was, it was probably, you know, somewhere along that crossroads where, um, I was able to connect with, with Scott and John, um, kind of do a Q and a with them and, and find, you know, some of these guys on an intense muscle years and years ago and kind of read all the things that I was able to, to read and, and receive education. Um, I, I think, you know, is realizing that I wasn't at, like I was 
doing things that were perceived as quote unquote healthy, but I wasn't like truly internally healthy. And that was a disconnect for me. And then also the realization that Western medicine, the approach would be to put me on several prescription medications for the rest of my life. And to me, that just seemed like, okay, well, you're not really having a conversation with me about any type of risks here. Um, you know, you're kind of, my primary care was totally averse to even pulling any sort of in-depth labs to begin with or putting mm -hmm. me on any prescription. Now you go to a specialist and they're trying to give me everything under the sun. To me, it was just kind of these two voices. I was like, there's gotta be this middle ground. Like this just seems so crazy that one guy wouldn't do a single thing. And then this other person literally wants to put all these bandit, like it just, something was off. It was fishy to me. Um, and so having that background in, in health and fitness, I always fall back on my strengths, which is, you know, at the time it was more in personal training and it was in nutrition. And I had, you know, if anything, I knew that I could maximize my lifestyle to mitigate any of the, um, you know, negative effects that I would have had, whether it was without medication or with medication, anything like that. Uh, so then I decided to basically receive continuing education. So just got more certifications, um, hired more coaches, had more mentors, went to more events, go to seminars with guys like Dr. Serrano and just, you know, soak up, soak up the information, uh, lots of podcasts, lots of reading, as well as just kind of, you know, I spent more time in a doctor's office than I did probably at frat parties in college, which is rare for like, you know, the, the average late teenager. So for me, a lot of my experience was hands-on in that I was getting labs quite frequently, um, I was spending a lot of time with endocrinologists. I was doing things, you know, getting second opinions at like Duke. Um, you know, my endocrinologist at the time was in Connecticut. So for me, it was like going to local universities. And, and I was I kind of felt like this like Grey's Anatomy episode for, for lack of a better word. And mm -hmm. so that was kind of what started me on that journey. I wouldn't say there's just one particular moment. I think it was just frustration around one, um, I'm learning these things. I'm putting in effort. I'm not hitting these goals. And number two, this could potentially be a lifelong um consequence if I don't necessarily figure out exactly what's going on there, um, especially from, you know, how Western medicine would approach some of these issues. All right. Is it, was there an emotional or mental toll from gaining 60 pounds on you? Uh, it was definitely a mind fuck. I mean, I don't, I, so I was underweight to begin with, but the way that we did it was I basically gained weight for deliberately about a year or two. I competed my sophomore going to my junior year of college. So that would have been middleweight bodybuilding because men's physique didn't exist yet. Uh, so I did, I did that show. So I obviously got leaner for that and then started dieting again. Um, and, and I wasn't like huge in my class or anything, but basically work up to that point, got lean. It was kind of a zigzag in that I gained weight. I, I kind of leaned out a little bit at that weight, hit a little bit of a new set point and then tried to add some more food. Um, and then, you know, continue to push the training from there. Um, and, and obviously had, you know, a few coaches during that time period as well to help with that process. But, you know, when you think about it over a four or five year period, you know, if you think 52 weeks in a year times four or five years, you're talking, that's a lot of weeks to gain that many pounds. So it wasn't like this instant, you know, I wasn't on a perma bulk by any means. I think it was, you know, having good coaches, good strength training programs, quality nutrition, learning how to periodize things, understanding different approaches, um, and then also, I think one thing that worked in my favor was I was lean to begin with. So in starting that reverse, I didn't accumulate a ton of fat right away, was able to kind of go closer to like 160 before really having any issues, kind of died down a little bit and then come back up again to where I wasn't like grotesquely obese, you know, and just throwing on body fat at that point. And obviously keeping the activity level up and things helped too. Okay. So you're going along and um, let's talk about the adrenals real quick. 
what are so we have a very we have an audience from coaches to average joe's average jan so let's talk about like what the adrenals are what they do and talk about hyper and hypo um and the response of how they uh you know the different uh responses you can get from it so let's go ahead and break that down Sure. So uh, when I think of the adrenals, I think of, you know, a lot of people associate it with the late night infomercials and, uh, you know, commercials about cortisol. I think cortisol gets a bad rap sometimes and then other times it's deserved, you know, in high stress environments for sure. But I, I like to think of the adrenals as, you know, when you produce something like cortisol, it can be an alertness response, which uh, at the right times is a good thing. So like in the morning, you want to have a cortisol awakening response. Um, the problem is people end up with dysregulation or they'll have cortisol, they're wired and tired in the evening, and they are sluggish to get going in the morning. And that's, that's really one of the biggest issues that we see. I like to think of the adrenals as, you know, we have these glands in our body that basically are responsible for this hormone production, but the captain of that team is really the brain. So the brain is signaling the adrenals and it's receiving information in our body, kind of getting a pulse on what's going on. And then it's going to adjust cortisol production accordingly. So if it has kind of a fight or flight response, um, I, I kind of lump it together. So with thyroid and adrenals, you're basically looking at a fight or flight or feast or famine response, all of which can influence the level of perceived energy availability, intake, storage, expenditure. Um, and then obviously you have your, uh, in terms of stress, your perceived stress, and that can be circadian, inflammatory, you know, internal or external stressors. So when I think about the adrenals, those are kind of the things that come to the forefront. Um, and that main responsibility, like if you didn't have cortisol, you'd feel like crap if it was bottomed out. But if it's too high, you're not going to feel great either. And it's going to influence things like your um, overall, your androgens. It can influence cycle health in females. It can influence thyroid hormone conversion from T4 to T3. So uh, lots of issues when it's not managed appropriately. So you, it's kind of the Goldilocks you want, like just right, um, especially, you know, with that cortisol awakening response in the morning. What causes adrenal dysregulation? Can be a number of different things. So uh, people could have jet lag. You could be uh, slacking on your sleep and recovery. You know, excessive caffeine consumption, high stress, uh, perceived stress, not managing stressful situations well. It could be you know something that's going on in your personal life. Um, you know, I actually have a, a diagram that I'll post fairly frequently, and it has these different sort of a, a circle divided into different quadrants. And you know, we have kind of things like perceived stressors can cause that. You could have inflammatory stressors. Um, you could have something circadian, which would be more like that jet lag or uh, caffeine or shift work. So shift work, I see that a ton. So if you have like nurses who are doing shift work or firefighters, um, those people typically will end up with uh, those adrenal and adrenal thyroid and reproductive hormone considerations really. Um, or if you, you know, sometimes even, even gut dysfunction a little bit. So intestinal permeability and other, other issues going on in the body you know, that'll oftentimes um, kind of kind of lead to some stuff as well, really where the HPA axis and that overall system is kind of burdened with this additional workload. You guys got anything you want to throw in? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I actually have a question. It's kind of not, it's not related to adrenals, but it's related to thyroid. You want me to do it now? Yeah, go ahead. Cause I'm just, you know, let it roll. Sam, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but it perplexes me. Why is the medical community taught to only test TSH and T4? Do you know so the answer to that? I, 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 I've done some reading on it as far as why they do that. I think they view it as if the TSH is in a certain range that basically they can – I think it came from endosing Synthroid that they're basically looking for bringing that TSH down and they're not really so worried about the conversion. Um, in terms of, uh, I think also in terms of like half-life of drugs and things, um, 
obviously with T3 being a little bit different than T4 and T3 is a little bit more expensive than T4. I think part of the impetus in moving towards Synthroid and the tests that they're running is based off cost um, and how they code things through insurance. I'd say, I think my answer would have to be, it likely has something to do with insurance companies and the way that we've, you know, in terms of privatized healthcare, how we do things. Um, now that's not to say you can't go to a private MD somewhere and he'll pull the labs for you if you have a good doctor, but uh, the the general level of instruction, as Jason mentioned, is typically just pulling TSH and T4. It never really made a ton of sense to me, um, nope. but I think you know I, I think it's probably somewhere between cost and also the medications that they're looking at, and also. I think the conventional approach to hypothyroidism, so a lot of the people that Jason and I see and Jeff probably as well, and then also Sue is, you know, looking at people who are subclinical hypothyroid where they're not in a functional or optimal reference range, but they are, according to Western medicine, they are okay, or they are cleared, they're not diseased, they're not sick. So I think they look at TSH and T4 because those broad metrics um, you know, it can keep you average. I think to be above average though, you need to have data on what's going on downstream because that's the metabolically active hormone that's acting on the receptor. Um, but I, I think it's because there are these wide averages and, um, also with conventional training, I think when a lot of the doctors that we're seeing nowadays, they went to med school 10, 20, 30, sometimes more 40 years ago. Um, and with that, they were educated about like the types of hypothyroidism that were most common at that time. We didn't have the same level of technology. We didn't have a lot of the same stressors, fast paced life. We didn't have a, you know, the COVID situation that we're dealing with. So a lot of the stressors we're seeing nowadays, I think, you know, we may have competitors or athletes or people who are not optimized in terms of their thyroid function. And that's just really not, um, you know, with Western medicine, traditional education, like who they're really treating. I think they're looking more at, okay, maybe the ob obese person that's hypothyroid or someone who has um, genetics, you know, some sort of uh, predisposition to a thyroid issue in their family. So that would be my answer, but I, I, I'm yeah. happy to research it. And, you know, I'm no, sure. I think you're, I think you're right on the money. I think it's sad that, you know, tests are ran based on what type of med they want to use because that's going to lead right to using that med. It's almost like the farm companies kind of taught what should be looked at too. It, it just, uh, it, it rubs me wrong, especially when, when uh, thyroid meds are given out based on those numbers. Um, I have other thyroid questions, but if Sue has something or Jeff, like you want to get back on to the adrenals. I want to get back can. on the adrenals for a second. Unless Sue's got something. I got a question. So for, for the average Joe or Jane non-competitor, what would be some key lifestyle changes or dietary changes alone that you might suggest to begin to unravel or heal any sort of adrenal insufficiency with, you know, you know, we, we know that it starts off with, you know, high cortisol precedes low cortisol and, and all that. So depending on where the person is, can you just throw out some like cheap, you know, easy lifestyle factor changes and, and dietary changes or training changes without getting into any of the supplements or lab work or anything like that? Yeah, so, so my uh, main pillars are always, you know, sleep, sunlight, steps, strength training, you know, strategic nutrition. Those are kind of your, your pillars there. Um, with that, that's going to be things like, you know, something as simple as having a morning routine, not starting your day with like hectic emails and being react, you know, reactionary, um, you know, putting yourself in high stress situations, unplugging in the evening, trying to wind down, getting to sleep on time. Those are all things that cost no money whatsoever. They're just, mm -hmm. you know, a, a matter of how you prioritize your time. I think in terms of nutrition, we see a lot of people doing more fasting and low carb diets. And with fasting and, and lower carb diets, what the issue that I'm seeing is a lot of these people are choosing intense 
or high intensity interval training type modalities. So, um, you know, Jane goes to CrossFit or she goes to Orange Theory or SoulCycle and maybe less strength training. And the problem is, is she's, she's ramping up this cortisol, but she doesn't necessarily have those counter regulatory hormones like insulin to bring it back down because she doesn't understand peri-workout nutrition. So for the average Joe or Jane, some great things you can do, um, you know, getting sleep on time, adequate rest and recovery. I'll even have people do something as simple as box breathing or alternate nasal breathing, where you basically, you know, do a four second inhale, pause, uh, exhale for four seconds, pause, start the process over again, just bringing, you know, having some mindfulness. Some people hate that. So I say, you know, read 10 pages of a book, or, you know, if you don't like journaling, do a brain dump, you know, it doesn't have to be anything particular, but I think it starts with foundational practices in your day to day. Um, if you're a coach doing this, I mean, don't throw all of these things at someone at once, pick one thing that they can ideally uh, here to and stick to, and that should help them in beginning to manage their stress and therefore, you know, help their adrenals. But those are kind of my main pillars. Uh, I actually have a post on that as well that kind of walks through the, the sleep, sunlight steps, strength training, strategic nutrition, stress management. Those are, those are really your big ones for the adrenals as well as, you know, thyroid too. All right. Well, real quick, what hormones come from the adrenals? So we can kind of like tie that up before we get into thyroid and then we can tie how it all comes together. Yeah. So primarily we're looking at corticosteroids. So, you know, I think for the purpose of the audience, like listening, you know, mainly we're, when we're talking about the adrenals, we're primarily talking about cortisol. Um, it's going to receive that signal from the brain uh, that needs to produce that. Um, and then we'll, we'll have that cortisol production coming from the adrenals. And we basically have these, you know, slightly different sections of the adrenals that are responsible for different, different things. Um, like, you know, in, in females, you can actually get some sex hormone production from adrenals. You even see this with, you know, hysterectomies and things like that. Uh, but for the most part, you know, to keep it simple for the audience, I'd say, you know, adrenals, we want to be thinking about cortisol. Absolutely. All right. So I want to get, I feel like we've kind of covered adrenals real quick. Good enough for what everyone understands. Uh, thyroid, what does it do? What does it regulate? So I like to think of thyroid as kind of a metabolic governor in a way. Um, so as Jason and I were discussing earlier, you know, your, your T3 levels, especially your free T3, that's your metabolically active thyroid hormone. So its job there is basically as your body is perceiving energy availability and stress around it, it's going to dictate energy expenditure uh, basically to regulate survival. So a lot of the theories around hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's, you know, root back to this idea of safety theory and adaptive physiology. Um, so our thyroid gland is kind of this energy regulator. So if you have hyperthyroidism, you are burning through lots of uh, energy. If you are hypothyroid, you know, this can influence everything from your caloric burn to even, you know, being constipated. So you'll see people who are hypothyroid, um, you know, they'll have issues with motility. Uh, so, but the symptoms can show up in a lot of different ways. You know, we've got hair, skin, nails, gut. Um, there's a lot of different things that can be going on when you're, when someone is hypothyroid, but think of, um, think of thyroid as an energy regulator, but it does connect. It is not like in a silo where it doesn't connect with reproductive hormones or it doesn't connect with the adrenals, uh, but it is kind of its main focus there. Uh, will largely, you know, deal with like fatigue and energy balance overall. What is Hashimoto's? So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition. Usually uh, folks will have hypothyroidism. It's much more common in women. Um, and it can be, you know, you, you might be kind of a hereditary issue you could be predisposed to, but a lot of folks, there's some form of physical or psychological trauma um, where Hashimoto's be begins to 
um, sort of manifest itself. Oftentimes, women will have symptoms ahead of time, whether it is just hypothyroidism or gut health or inflammation. And the body is basically creating its own immune response towards a gland in the body. So in the case of Hashimoto's, that would be Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So it, while it affects the thyroid, there's a lot of other things that are going on as well where it can show up in your health. Uh, but that's kind of like the quick cliff notes on Hashi's. Real quick, when you get a client with Hashimoto's, how long of a, how do you convey to them how long of a project it's going to be? Because I know it's very, very, it's difficult for people to hear when they get to the point of Hashimoto's that's like, yo, this is going to be like at least like good nine months plus that we got to work on this to heal everything up. How do you, how do you, you know, because I'm assuming you're like us, the people you get have dieted and failed multiple times at a diet. <clears throat> And they're basically looking for answers. So they have this blood work and then you go look, oh, okay, well, you know, blood work says you got Hashimoto's. How do you convey that to them? So I try to shift the, the like a locus of control from, you know, they're kind of looking at the, the variables that they've sort of pursued in the past. So hyper control over food, calorie restriction, um, excessive exercise, the variables that they've tried to manage and control before are clearly not working because it's brought them to me in the first place. So we have a conversation, um, this happens with Hajimoto's, this happens with a number of different cases, but basically that your physical goals are preceded by your physiology. So for kind of layman's terms, your internal health has a lot to do with what you look like on the outside and the you know, external goals that you have. And whether you want to look good in a bikini uh, or whatever your goals may be, there are certain things we have to do to kind of repair to get you there. And so this is actually one of the reasons I created a framework that I call the P3 model, which is basically physical goals are preceded by your physiology, the way you manipulate physiologies through practices and perceptions. So practices could be anything from your macro layout to a morning routine to getting to sleep on time. Perception would be your relationship with food, relationship with exercise, relationship with self, relationship with community. Um, and oftentimes these Hashimoto's clients, whether male or female, although it's primarily female, um, statistically, it's just more likely to happen that way. You know, with these, with these clients, oftentimes they're type A overachievers, um, also having some form of very high level of stress in their life. It could be, you know, there's usually an event that kind of triggers something. So it could be, um, you know, a, a death of a family member, uh, divorce, some, some form of uh, se severe stress that is basically adding to the physiological burden that they're experiencing. And so what I try to do is get them to zoom out and sort of look at these different things and, and be honest about, you know, relationship with food, relationship with exercise and the way that they're controlling those things and understand that the approach that they've taken in the past hasn't necessarily yielded any positive results. So we're going to need to take a different approach, which begins with uh, the healing process. And so usually I try to set up kind of a three to six month protocol where we're working through and looking at the thyroid, looking at the gut and, you know, monitoring those variables. And then from there we can start to look at, okay, where are your labs? Also, it depends. Like, is this person on thyroid medication already? Um, is this person, you know, under treatment of some kind, how long have they had Hashimoto's? Uh, is this something that they've, you know, they've already eliminated gluten and dairy, things like that. Um, we're, we're sort of going to assess, okay, where are you with your food? Where are you? Have you been in a deficit for the last like three years or have you been eating maintenance calories, but the Hashimoto's was triggered by something else? Because I've had people where it was a combination of like antibiotics, birth control. Um, they were on their high school swim team. So lots of chlorine and chemical exposure. Like there's different reasons why different people have certain levels of physiological stress. So it's kind of, you got to identify those first and then you can create a roadmap and give them, I try not to give timelines. I try to give them more like, these are the objectives we need to accomplish. And this is typically what we need to do to accomplish that. Uh, and that way they know that the pace is going to be dictated based off of like a particular mini goal or sub goal versus like, 
okay, my huge goal is to heal Hashimoto's and lose like 50 pounds. Like that's, um, I, I think that's too big. You got to break it down a little bit smaller than that. I like your way of thinking. Do you guys have anything you want to inject in now that we're on the thyroid? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Go ahead, Stu. That's fine. Okay. Um, all right. So you have someone who comes to you, let's say female, 50 years old, um, complaining about, you know, the clinical symptoms of hypothyroidism. Um, what, what do you do? Like, what are the labs that you run? Uh, what are the ranges that you're looking at? And how do you go about fixing it? Sure. So in terms of labs, usually with hypothyroidism in general, and Sue, I got to give you a hard time because I feel like uh, on the podcast and, and sometimes with the events and stuff too, you're talking about the older demographics. So you're, you're going for the, the, the above cougar range at this point. Um, so <laughs> Sue's a, a professional hunter. You leave that young man alone. Very fine young man. Hey, that's my demographic, you know, like I, I would say 95% of my clients are women, probably 35 and up going up into 70. So yeah, I'm, I'm about like you. I'm like women 25 to 55 is where I'm at. Yeah. 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 I'm probably a little bit more similar to Jeff. Uh, you know, that example, I had a, a client recently and, and she, you know, her, her, even the mom, sister, brother, um, they have Hashimoto's hypothyroid. Um, there's some gut dysregulation going on there or gut dysfunction, I should say. Um, you know, also, you know, birth control stuff going on, just really kind of a whole, um, haze of, of, of variables really. But, you know, using the example you gave, maybe slightly older, uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to look at lifestyle as well as one thing that I think gets lost when thinking about 40, 50, six year old women is the way that they learned about diet and nutrition yes. 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago is completely, yeah. you know, ass backwards. So you basically have to remove previous indoctrination of piss poor information that they've received around nutrition. You got to remember, this is when slim fast was popular. And when, you know, there were newspaper cutouts when they were a kid, you know, kids about having two hard boiled eggs and a glass of wine for breakfast and, you know, some mm -hmm. bullshit salad for lunch. Like there's just terrible information. Um, and so that's where I think the 50 to 60 demographic struggles. I've only had, I mean, I've had a handful in that demographic, but I'd say like Jeff, I probably uh, maybe a little bit shade younger there. A lot of times I'm dealing with like post-competition stress that has resulted from cleaning up what past coaches have done. Um, so a lot of times I'm doing that. Um, but in terms of that older demographic, I'm going to start with nutrition re-education. Look at one, are you already on a thyroid medication? Are you properly dosed? Are you only on T4? Are you on a combination? Are you on a nature armor thyroid? Right. If they're not on a medication, uh, obviously we want to see labs of where they're at in terms of their natural production, their endogenous hormone production. I'm typically looking at TSH, um, T4, T3. If we can get, obviously we want free T3 um, as well as free T4 if we can see that. Mm. Um, I know you guys like the life extension panels and, and stuff like that. I know Jason um, yeah. sort of res resonates Definitely. with that one, but if you can get, you know, TSH and then those complete downstream, you know, we want to see the conversion. Obviously if you can get like TBG reverse, reverse T3. Um, so TBG is your thyroid binding globulin. If you can see antibodies like your TPO um, that's, that's super helpful, but you know, that's not always available. So sometimes you're going to go based off symptoms. And if I can get a free T3 and a TSH, you should be able to see a lot around thyroid health and especially Hashimoto's. If that TSH is climbing, I mean, I've seen people four five, sixes, you'll see 16s. There's people who end up in like double digits, which is crazy to think about, but um, and it's unfortunate, but you know, we'll look at that. Um, I also, you know, I like to look at the diet because you could have essential, you know, minerals that you're basically missing. So whether it's like zinc, selenium, um, you know, basically mm. things that are vital for overall thyroid function and thyroid horm hormone conversion. 
I think is incredibly important. And uh, with that age too, depending on the diet, like we, we may need to look into gut health as well. But I think for that main, uh, main group, we're looking at labs first. Uh, you know, we'll likely reach out to either a functional practitioner or see what they're doing on that front in terms of uh, their medication, whether they are medicated or not. Oftentimes they will need some form of thyroid support. Um, and, and depending on, you know, how long they've been on Synthroid or something, you may basically be transitioning to something else. Um, because oftentimes you'll see they're on Synthroid, but the downstream conversion of T3 is still really shitty. Um, so basically it's either we need to really optimize that conversion through nutrition, lifestyle support, you know, supplemental support, or we need to find a doctor that's willing to get like some nature thyroid or armor thyroid on board, or even a combination of leothyroid and thyroxine, which is basically T3 and T4. So that's um, typically what I'm looking at, whether it's, you know, the older population, I think there's more around re-education with nutrition and lifestyle, because a lot of them don't even realize what they're necessarily doing and what they were taught in the 80s. Uh, is not great for actually achieving results. Now, um, for a younger demographic, I think it's just realizing you, you know, don't be in a calorie deficit year round, or, you know, what your coach prescribed you is not necessarily a sustainable, uh, you know, there were no sort of seasons of dieting or seasons of nutrition. So those are kind of my primary considerations and what I'm looking at on a panel. Obviously, you know, if you look at the immune markers as well, you might see, um, something that's off in terms of elevated immune function, you might start to see some stuff in the white blood cells as well, white blood cell, red blood cell count. So ideally you have a CBC, CMP, um, you know, maybe you can pull that full thyroid hormone panel I mentioned, obviously reproductive hormones, because you want to see how those are, if they're playing nicely together, or if they've, this thyroid issue has escalated to where they're also having reproductive hormone issues. And, um, you know, if you can get some either serum cortisol or salivary four point cortisol, um, would be a good option as well, just because all these kind of go hand in hand. But I try to start with kind of that minimum effective dose and branch out rather than taking like a shotgun, um, kind of shotgun approach to things. Jason, I want to slide in real quick and ask him because yeah. we talk about labs <clears throat> and then you go with yours. I just recently discovered this and started reading up on it. I'm curious if you know. <clears throat> uh, I was reading something about the reverse T3 to T3 ratio and how there are calculators out there. About that. Yeah, and how there are calculators out there. And I'm just one of those people, I look at blood work, if, if that T th reverse T3 is like, I had one girl, she was 25.9. And I'm just oh, like, well, yeah. I'm like, and her T3. Well, clinically bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, and her T3 actually wasn't like, was 3.0. And I'm like, all right, well, that's not, you know, so I know it's stress, but how much weight do you put into these calculators coming out that everyone's saying, oh, you just go by the calculator? Because I don't think that's true. I, I, I don't know if they're still trying to figure out or what. Yeah. I don't like macro calculators. I don't like reverse T3 calculators. I don't really like calculators because I think it loses the human touch of, unless it was like super, super um, fine tuned to account for lifestyle variables. And like I give clients a shred score. So shreds is sleep, hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, and stress. Um, those, those things go into every check-in. So if I had some sort of a calculator that could also include that biofeedback, then sure, that'd be helpful. But I think looking at just one number or one ratio without context um, can be misleading because there are even functional practitioners who argue that reverse T3 was actually temporary benefit, temporarily beneficial because if you could upregulate that, then you're not going to like starve to death quite as quickly. So it's an adaptive response that could be a good thing in that way, but we just don't want it chronically elevated. So depending on who you ask and who made the calculator, you know, there's different 
you know, I think there's some inherent bias and in depending on who designed it. So I, I generally still steer clear of that. I'll use some, you know, Excel to basically highlight like, okay, what's high, what's low, what's good, what's bad. But um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily do, do a ton with calculators. Fair. That's an awesome question. I appreciate that. Jason, what question you got? Well, it was about that, but I think I can ask a few other things to see. Um, do you have a range where you get nervous about reverse T3? Like for me, I kind of look at it at 16 and above, but do you have a range? Yeah. Is there a better way of looking at it? Um, and so then my last question is, what do you do when there's like a reverse T3 that's, let's say it's, it's close to clinically high, but it's not. So let's say it's like 18 or 19, but they're t free T3 is 3.4. So it's above average. Uh, it's above middle, I should say. Are you concerned? Do you, do you do anything? I mean, just bring down stress. Like what, what are you, what are your thoughts there and what are your concerns and what are your, where, where are you not concerned? I usually start to open, like really get the, the client to open their eyes, like anything kind of above a 15. Um, yeah, okay. I do have, um, I was going to see if I could actually pull this up for you guys while we we're on here. Um, I'm not a big, you know, you know, memorization guy in terms of numbers. I really, you know, but overall, um, so reverse D3 usually, yeah, greater than 15 nanograms per deciliter is usually where I'll flag it. I kind of have a Excel tool that'll yeah. basically flag, um, flag it when it's above that level. Now in terms of, you know, when it starts to get, you know, Western reference range high, that's, um, you know, that's obviously things have escalated really quickly. So first, what I'm going to look at is overall, you know, sleep, lifestyle, recovery, maybe how frequently that person is training, how much cardio they're doing, how long they've been in a calorie deficit. We're going to manage those first. And then if I think it continues, you know, you can get some supplements on board. Um, I know you guys like adaptogens and different um, complexes. I know you've got, you know, your um, uh, kind of, you know, array of tools with new ethics. So definitely a lot you can bring on board to, to deal with that. But typically I'm going to look at that relative to, okay, what is the free T3 number though? And how high is TSH? So if I see reverse T3 is very elevated, but TSH isn't super crazy. It's really what I'm going to dive into is, okay, where was T4 and where was T3 versus if TSH is really elevated, but reverse T3 isn't, but then free T3 is still low. Uh, my focus is, okay, we need to bring down TSH into a functional range rather than there's basically different areas where these issues can show up depending on how you would classify the hypothyroidism. But I'm, I'm pretty similar to Jason in the sense that once it starts climbing um, in those, those high double digits, you know, I really think, you know, some extra intervention may be necessary. And obviously, you know, what's their digestive function like symptoms in terms of energy, are they fatigued all the time, brain fog, uh, all this and with women, hair, skin, nails, obviously as well. So those are kind of the things that I'm looking at. And, and usually I'm looking at that number related to like three other numbers rather than just like that one thing as, as kind of flagging. Okay. What are the three other numbers you're looking at it? Uh, so usually, you know, if I have a full panel, it would have like TSH, um, free, you would have T4, T3, free T4, free T3. So, you know, when you have free T3 is what's going to actually act on a receptor. So if you have compromised levels of free T3, you have to think, okay, is it my metabolic, is it my thyroid hormone reserve? That's the issue. Like, do I not have a reserve to pull from? Is it the conversion from the reserve to the active hormone? Or is it further upstream towards the hypothalamus and pituitary, whether that's TRH or TSH? 
Um, we usually don't have labs on TRH, but looking at um, TSH coming from the pituitary to signal the thyroid gland, basically the higher that number, the harder the pituitary is working to essentially signal the thyroid to produce more hormone. So I'm always looking at what's happening kind of at the, um, you know, the point guard level. And then, you know, if you're not scoring baskets, was it, you know, someone failed to have the, you know, set, set up the shooting guard with a quality assist and quality pass, or was it, you know, that, you know, do we lose the ball back court or what sort of happened kind of using a basketball analogy there. There's a lot of reasons why you might not score, uh, but we can work backwards and kind of reverse engineer what's going on there. So you got a question? No, not right now. Is there anything you would like to say at this point before I kind of get on to <clears throat> how these two tie together? Or do you just want to roll with that? Well, I mean, I just want to say that every time that I start with something, you know, I found that GI health is like paramount to fixing thyroid because of the conversion that goes on in the GI. And if you have GI dysfunction, you are likely to also suffer from, you know, probably high cortisol from stress because stress will lower stomach acid. And that's probably why you know, it's causing dysmotility. And then you have the impaired phase one phase two detoxification and all that. So I just want to reiterate that like GI health, if you don't do anything else, fix your diet, get on like low FODMAP, eliminate alcohol, uh, get rid of dairy, no red meat, uh, find stuff that, that digests and eliminates well. And, um, you know, you won't be as backed up. And I feel like that alone will fix a lot of this. Uh, yeah. Just that. I think some I've had some people do really well with like grass fed beef or bison though, depending on the red meat that you're mm, referring to. That's, I know you that's just had good, Sally, yeah. yeah, I know you just had Sally Norton on and chatted about those are her favorite her favorite foods. Um, so in <laughs> terms pig, of pig was her favorite, dude. Oh, she she went from good. eating full on like just fucking vegan vegetarian to eating head to tail. I'm like, wow, that is a dramatic shift in dieting, madam. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely a big yeah. shift. I definitely agree with the GI health as well as liver health. You know, we have thyroid hormone conversion, you know, takes place in a number of places, but, you know, GI health will be dependent on, you know, we'll see that showing up in digestive symptoms. So that's why I include it in shreds in biofeedback. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, managing stress is going to be incredibly helpful as well. And then, right. you know, you might see some other things going on. So if you're seeing elevated liver enzymes, if you're seeing, um, you know, other things in labs, it might encourage you to take a closer look, but typically, right. you know, if nutrition's in a good spot and they're not super deficient and we've got some good supplements on board, you know, I think we can, uh, you know, make some, some quality moves with thyroid. I'd say, you know, a good, uh, depend so for example if it was primarily that tsh issue versus versus the conversion issue okay let's address stress and let's also you know manage nutrition make sure you're not in a massive you know deficit or over exercising things like that um but if we're looking solely at conversion from t4 to t3 obviously you know gut health is going to optimize that um and you know using things like fodmap approach or simply, you know, some kind of modified elimination, depending on what the person is not tolerating very well, uh, can be a great approach as well. So that could be, you know, some people just don't do well with gluten and dairy. Other people need to go a bit further, but you got to remember too, that every time you're eliminating foods, um, you know, I've seen this in different digestive textbooks is basically they're encouraging this like full blown eliminate everything. And then the person's super stressed because they're not right. really sure what to eat and it creates even more issues. So I think, yeah the gut can often be a sort of uh, mirror or reflect what's going on from a nervous system perspective in terms of stress. So if we can manage stress and just clean up some, some, uh, some of the junk that's in there, uh, make sure our, our fiber is, you know, ratios are on point. Uh, hydration is good. 
and like you said, like good food quality and balance of, of overall things that aren't like causing a lot of gas fermentation, bloating, you know, I think then we'll be in a good spot. So definitely agree with you. And then obviously we probably each have our strategies for, for getting to that point. Mm. Yep. All right. So how does the adrenals and the thyroid tie together? Let's bring this home. Cause I got some different off the wall questions. Like I always do to finish up podcasts. I like to yeah. So, so the biggest thing is, is when cortisol is elevated, it can show up in a number of different hormones. Uh, one of those is cortisol inhibiting or, you know, influencing the conversion of T4 to T3, as well as some of the negative feedback that we're getting at the level of the hypothalamus and pituitary. So that's probably the biggest one uh, in terms of adrenal and thyroid connection. And then, um, you know, cortisol also shows up in, in reproductive hormones in terms of, you know, it can inhibit star protein, which basically regulates that cholesterol transfer for production of androgens. So cortisol shows up downstream for a lot of different things, as well as got to remember at the end of the day, our body's perceiving stress. Our brain is sort of this captain that is making decisions based on almost like we're getting daily blood work inside our body. Um, that's kind of like our physiological pulse of health. And so when your body's picking up on that, it's making decisions based on the level of stressors in the environment and what's going on internally. Um, so adrenals are certainly going to show up mainly because of that cortisol influencing conversion of T4 to T3. And sometimes due to that negative feedback, going back to the brain, we'll obviously see TSH elevations as well. Absolutely. You guys have anything you want to chime in on that? Cause I have, a, well, a really random... one thing that I wanted to, get uh sam's take on what what cortisol number do you look at in the morning um do you have a range that you like to see cortisol at and then do you have a range where you're starting in your mind to say all right this might be adrenal insufficiency going on rather than you know um, a high cortisol situation basically the glands have stopped working do you have ranges for those so that we can kind of set a baseline and then go from there good question so yeah, what I've been playing around with, just because a lot of people can be different in terms of how that's showing yeah. in biofeedback. So looking at serum versus looking at saliva, and you know now there's urine sure. stuff as well. Um, so I, I, I'm actually you know collecting some some data on that. So obviously stay connected with you guys in terms of what I'm seeing in terms of having you know maybe females who pull a Dutch test with a four point salivary versus females who come to me with just a um, you know when we're talking about serum labs, um, I'd say low single digits and serum. Um, obviously that's really insufficient at that point. I'd say if you're getting high teens, um, that's like just high cortisol kind of to begin with. So if we're looking at serum only, the only problem is, is, you know, we got to account for like bound and free and unbound like that, you know, with hormones, there's so many different binding proteins that can come into play. That's why I think, you know, looking at the serum level, it's helpful, but I can usually tell from how someone emails me or talks on the phone or how they communicate. Like I can tell how stressed and anxious they are as well as how they handle life situations and implement different things. So I, yeah, I mean the numbers are important, but at the end of the day, like it, it's kind of that human element and the coaching element is going beyond just the number on a lab test and seeing how does this person operate in life? What does their structure look like? What does routine look like? Are they reactive to everything? Are they proactive? Do they get adequate sleep? do they prioritize themselves or does everybody else come first? Um, you know, looking at, and I mean that from a self care perspective, not, you know, being a selfish asshole all the time, but a lot of times people are, uh, who are running into these issues. It's, it's like, 
got to get Timmy to soccer practice and got to do this other thing and, you know, demands at work and they have no structure and just kind of don't take any time. You know, they open up their laptop first thing in the morning when they wake up and, um, you know, they have to rely on like six cups of caffeine to get through the day. So I'm looking at a lot of lifestyle factors to be honest. But if I, if you had like a gun to my head and I had to say, you know, insufficient is that, you know, when you're getting kind of down in those single digits on cortisol and then, you know, with, um, you know, when it's just high cortisol, that's obviously, you know, you're going to see it pop out of the reference range. But um, I usually look for a slightly tighter window than what's going to be on like your Quest or LabCorp, you yeah. know, report okay. there, which Jason and I talked about. Cool. Badass. All right. Is there anything else you would like to talk about on that topic that we perhaps did not cover as we were starting to peel this baby back? I just say just to give coaches like some quick tools. Uh, and also if you're listening and you're kind of in your own physique pursuits, uh, which a lot of you guys are, you know, paying attention to biofeedback is really important. Labs are great, but some people can't afford to do labs like every four weeks, you know, so you're not always going to have, um, you know, ideally, you know, you're going to have labs every 12 weeks or so, or maybe, you know, whether it's quarterly or maybe biannually, depending on where they're at, um, you know, being sure to, to look out and, and ask, you know, what medications are you on? That's very important. Understanding that lifestyle and those pillars I mentioned are, are key. Something as simple as going for a walk in the sunshine in the morning and having some breathing practices or going to sleep on time, you know, do, using something like a aura ring or a whoop, um, those can make a, ma a massive difference in terms of your overall like preparedness to take on your day, monitoring your energy and fatigue. So, you know, adrenals and thyroid can sometimes seem like a super complicated topic, but I'd encourage coaches and even people that are just training themselves to kind of zoom out and look at it in terms of perceived stress and overall energy availability. What signals are you sending your body? How are you priming your body to respond? Uh, because basically your physical goals are going to be a reflection of that physiology. So that's kind of how I try to break it down. And I've got a lot of different models and methods and stuff that make it a little bit easier to remember and a little bit more simple uh, in terms of life execution, because I'm sure, you know, Jason and I could probably go back and forth on labs and, you know, the science of it all, but making sure you guys understand from an application perspective, like how does this actually show up in a human being's life? Not just like on a piece of paper. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to ask you a question very, since very you kind of opened up that Pandora's box. <clears throat> um, if an average listener is just listening and just saying that they're maybe on their own journey, what are the questions that they should be asking coaches if they want to hire them to, to find out if they have a good grasp or understanding of this topic? Hmm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, you know, I think there's so much content out there nowadays in terms of free content and podcasts. Dude, me and, and you agree. I think it's fucking shit show content saturation. I just don't even want to be on my social media half the time. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of a lot of content that's out there. So do your, you know, you can do your research there, see how they write and speak on these topics. I think if you do have a complex health issue, um, you know, their intake form or application should be fairly thorough. I know I sent after the initial application process and talking with someone, um, you know, through that initial communication, excuse me, they're going to receive a pretty, you know, lengthy, um, pretty lengthy intake form. And so if your coach is only asking, you know, how many calories are you eating? How much cardio are you doing? Uh, that's, that's not enough. There needs to be a lot more there. So I think it's not necessarily the questions that the client would ask. It's I would pay attention to what is the coach asking you for what type of information, because if they're looking to help you from all angles and be a really comprehensive coach, they need to ask comprehensive questions to get the information they need to truly help you. Uh, and so that starts with, 
application intake form, initial communication, but also you can check out their content as well, whether, or, or go see them at a seminar, um, you know, go, go find that information and see who's, who you align with from a, a personality perspective and trust their, trust their information as well. What is your, uh, I know you're into coaching coaches. So tell us a little bit about that as we kind of round this, uh, wrap this thing up. Sure. So uh, I've got a number of different options for folks, everything from free content that's, you know, totally complimentary for you guys all the way to, um, you know, the specialization programs that I run. So I have a Facebook group called the Nutrition Coaching Collaborative. We're about 1100 coaches right now. Um, I have the, you know, workshop I'm running now by the time this podcast airs, we'll be on our last day. So I'd encourage you guys to check out. I've got a free week of metabolism school that you can check out. I've got a metabolism blueprint audiobook that's like $1.99, so less than a cup of coffee. Um, that they can grab at metabolismblueprint.com. And then in terms of my courses, mentorships, programs, um, I've got some digital options for them if they're looking to self-study or if you want to go through live with a group of coaches who are very like-minded and trying to um, level up the same way that you are. That's uh, what I'm running in September. It's my functional nutrition and metabolism science specialization. And that program will be 12 weeks long. It'll dive into, you know, we'll look at the adrenals, thyroid, hormones, um, starting from that functional perspective, but also, um, you know, we'll do some case studies and we'll answer your client questions. They do have, I think the biggest difference between this and a lot of certifications is like you go for a weekend and you leave with a crap ton of questions and you don't necessarily get your questions answered or you self-study in a book and you take quizzes, but you don't necessarily have any interaction. So this is one of the few formats that I'll run throughout the year that actually allows people to hop on a zoom call or be in a group and ask questions or, you know, contact me with their questions, which I think that collaborative controlled learning environment is really important for complex cases because that's how you build confidence. And I think clients can tell uh, whether you're confident or not confident or not with these cases. So that's a program that's coming out in September. So if you guys have questions, obviously um, feel free to reach out to me directly. And then I post a ton of, you know, free stuff on Instagram and I have the podcast as well, which we're usually at two to three episodes a week. Both of those are just Sam Miller science. You just, my name and then science right after it. Badass. What are uh, awesome. some of your best recommendations for uh, certifications or books? Maybe your top three certs and cool. your top three books. So I'm reading biology of belief right now, which is interesting. Um, that's not necessarily, I mean, that's just kind of like what was on the top of my head. Um, so books, I, so this was what was frustrating for me coming up as a coach is there's not like one book, um, you know, Googling different things kind of leaves you in a place where you, you feel like sometimes WebMD is going to like diagnose everything as a disease and, and it can be quite overwhelming. Um, I actually wrote an ebook called the hormone blueprint. So that's, that's available if you guys are interested in terms of, um, you know, regular books for coaches and trying to think on that. I mean, I've read some things like, uh, why zebras don't get ulcers. That's, that's pretty interesting. That's, a good um, read. that's a good read. Uh, I, I just like the beginning of, of biology belief cause it's kind of going into like evolutionary theory and adaptive, um, stuff and survival mechanisms. So that's kind of cool, but I, I don't know that it would really translate to coaching for a lot of people. Um, you know, get your hands on, you know, your own labs, I think would be incredibly helpful. So if you haven't coached others, go pull your own lab panel, look at your own results because in order to responsibly coach others, like you should have some level of understanding on this yourself. So my first thing wouldn't be, don't, don't go buy a course. Don't go buy a book. It would be get your shit together with yourself, like start sleeping and, you know, prioritize your routine, go get some labs drawn, see where your internal health is at. And then, you know, if you want to go um, do some other things or you want to check, check out what I'm doing or what Jason's doing, that would be great, but you need to be kind of prepared with a foundation and you coming in with your own understanding of your own health will 
better serve you to help other people. It's kind of like you can use yourself as a little bit of a guinea pig. Um, you know, obviously do everything as you can to be responsible about it. Um, but as far as one particular book, I don't know that I have uh, one set resource, but I'll try to think on that one for you guys. I don't know. Do you, do you have like a favorite book, Jeff, or, you know, Jason, anything that you really stick out? I feel like I just learned it from other people and my own experiences. I mean, there was as far as hormone health for women, I like uh, uh, Beyond the Pill, and then I love okay. Cortisol Connection for everybody. I think, I think Cortisol Connection should be read by every single person in high school. To be honest with you, yeah, uh, I agree. Those are my oh. two really important books for what I do a lot because ninety percent of my clientele on hormone side is women. I don't get a ton of men. I'm a really big fan of the Hormone Cure. Um, which is yeah dude it's it, i thought it was better than beyond the pill honestly you know? yeah i know it's two different books know. you know one's all about the pill and about like yep. man i, I like when you cortisol connection but also why zebras don't get ulcers was a damn good read. yeah and also i'd say um you know besides i guess zebras don't get ulcers hormone cure i think you mentioned beyond the pill um there was Ah, it totally just slipped my mind. I thought I had it there for a second. Jason, you were talking about everyone in high school should read Cortisol Connection. Cortisol Connection, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's another one that I was thinking of that just totally escaped me. Just because I'm, on, I'm of the belief that most diseases start with stress. And it's amazing to me that a lot of Western medicine doesn't even talk about that when you go into their office. Like, it's just here's a pill. You know, um, so you treat the underlying issue, we would all be a lot healthier. Um, so I just think it should be one of those books that everyone should read. Yeah. Why we sleep was the one that just slipped my mind. So why we sleep by Matthew Walker. Um, cause I think sleep is an underrated component of transfer. My, my two, two most underrated things are usually sleep and non-exercise activity. I think people prioritize being, you know, cardio bunnies and stuff and they don't get a lot of non-exercise movement like parasympathetic walking and things yeah. like that. Um, so yeah. why we sleep is great. Um, that that's definitely a solid one. Uh, he's got some good information out. He's been on several podcasts and things as well. So more on the basics like that. Um, and you know, that's kind of where I would start. And like I said, just kind of pulling your own panels and starting to track your own, your own metrics, I think would be super helpful. I'm glad you said that, man. Cause you know, yep. we have coaches who will, who will talk to us stuff and they're always wanting to know like this next educational piece, but they don't understand like things for themselves. And I think that that was awesome that you just said that because I'm like, well, what do you know? Well, I don't. I'm like, well, figure it out something yourself. You know, I mean, that's like the part of the outlaw medicine is what I call what we're doing. Yeah. You know, kind of fun. Um, the last question, um, Sue, do you got anything? No, I'm good for now, man. All right. Okay. So there are coaches out there who believe in sicko. So only calories in calories out. Obviously the four of us understand that that's not the truth nor the case. And a couple of coaches preaching that have a huge following and it's just like, it, you can't say anything other than just getting assaulted for not believing that. Do you believe that the fitness industry is going to move the future of it is going to be more of a functional route as especially, I think I personally think, and I know we've talked about this before that regulation is going to come to this industry sooner or later. Do you think that coaches are wise to start getting ahead on this functional stuff uh, to embrace what's going to inevitably be coming its way? Yeah, I definitely think getting ahead, you know, as I mentioned, kind of bridging that gap between macros and functional medicine. Um, you know, I think the issue is, so energy balance is paramount. You can't just say like, oh, energy doesn't matter because a lot of the hormonal, our hormones are responding to perceived energy and perceived stress. So 
one influences the other. It's like if you had conjoined twins and you were trying to separate them, it's going to be a very intensive process. You can't really do it uh, without some, you know, really severe intervention. So for us as a human life form, the way that we exist, it's perceived energy that includes intake, that includes storage on your body, the amount of fat that you have currently, um, you know, what's in your environment. And then with that is stress, but you have to understand that your hormones determine what you do with that energy. So you know, you could have a great diet, but hormonally, your hormonal profile, having that optimized is sort of dictating the response to the energy intake. So it's not that energy intake is something we don't need to pay attention to or that um, calories in, calories out is false, but I like to go into calories in or eaten, minus calories absorbed, and then we have to factor in resting metabolic rate, thermic effect of food, non-exercise activity, um, and exercise activity. The person who's gonna have the better exercise performance and actually feel like walking around and doing day-to-day activities has a better hormonal profile. The person whose hormones are in the gutter, they're not gonna feel like doing daily life tasks. They're not gonna feel like going to the gym and setting PRs, and you can't tell me that the person who's setting PRs and going for walks is not burning more calories than the person that has the compromised hormonal profile. So hormones and energy balance are integrated together. You can't really separate them. Um, Energy balance is a true thing, but hormones influence energy balance. For example, that metabolically active T3 that we talked about, a number of other factors as well. And even, you know, Jason mentioned cortisol connection. If your cortisol's, you know, in a bad spot, we may even start to see issues with uh, blood glucose elevations, And we have compromised insulin sensitivity. So if you have compromised insulin sensitivity, I can feed you, you know, the same way I'd feed another person. But if that person has better insulin sensitivity, they're going to respond differently to the same amount of calories. So me eating a banana, Jason eating banana might be two different things, um, even though it's the same exact, you know, we could weigh it out and have 100 grams of the same food. It's going to be a different physiological response. So energy matters, stress matters hormones matter. I hate when people are trying to like argue about, they just do it for attention. It's like one, one matters more than the other. It's like they both matter. And I think it's mis it's misinforming people and confusing people when they say that if you don't say that both matter, because it happens on both sides, Jeff, we've got people who say that calories in calories out is the only way, but then you have people who are like, well, just eat this diet and it controls your hormones. It fixes your hormones. So you never have to worry about calories. I think both of those are misleading Mm -hmm. And it happens on both sides. It just depends on who you follow. So the people who are like, well, if you just keep insulin low, you're going to just, everything's perfect. Um, And and I think it's kind of a, we we kind of fall in that middle ground of we understand both sides and we're not like screaming with a megaphone, just trying to get attention, sell some book that that we wrote, you know, about a particular diet style or whatever fad that that we kind of flavor of the week that we've got going. That was a good answer. No, I love that. Well, where's the way for everyone to follow you, get a hold of you? Let's give the uh, give all your plugs, my man. Uh, this has been a great episode. Like you, you, you champed it. I enjoyed it. Yep. Thanks, yep. man. It was a good one. Uh, so I'm Samler Science on all platforms. So Samler Science on Instagram, uh, SamlerScience.com is my website, and the podcast is Samler Science. So I like alliteration apparently is, is kind of where that conversation leads us. Uh, in terms of coaches, if you're looking for some complimentary resources, I'd encourage you to you know hop in that that free Facebook group. I go live in there. I answer questions. I post free content. Um, you know, give me a follow on Instagram, check that out on my website. I have a few options. You know, you can get a free video series, free five day series on there. Um, and then I, as I mentioned, I have that audiobook as well, which is the metabolism blueprint and that's at metabolismblueprint.com. So lots of, lots of entry materials. You don't need to have a ton of money to be able to start bettering yourself and, and, you know, learning and being able to help your clients to a greater extent. 
Awesome, man. I'm probably going to hit you up and look at some of your courses because I always like continuing education and get other people's perspectives. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel like you and I would just be bullshitting the whole time and like talking, <laughs> having too much fun. We'd have to yeah. like create our own our own little cohort. Be yeah, like, no, I'm cool with that, man. Because I, I just, I like, like, I like learning from Jason. I learned from Sue. We all learn from each other. And I think that that's cool because, you know, if you sit in a class for six hours, but someone says something different and I walk away with it, then that was worth it for me to sit there for six hours. Cause it's sure. Oh yeah. If you take two new things away from everything you even go to, like you're yeah. going to be crushing it. Yeah. You know, that's what I always try to do. So. And that's 100%. like what we did with the physique education collective. We wanted to make sure that people left didn't get fluff fucking PowerPoints. You know what I mean? It was like, you got real shit that you could take and go actually like impact lives or impact yourself. You and know? sometimes like you think you'd understand something, then you hear someone else explain it a different way. And then it like really sets in, you know, like something that you were kind of missing then you're like, Oh yeah, I get it. So I'll, I'll have encourage a, it. I might put them on the spot, but if you, you guys got five minutes for this, I got to go at five because oh, I got a lot, okay. but if we can do it in less than five, you wrote to me about your thoughts on the progesterone steel. Do you want to, oh, here we go. You got five go. minutes I for pull, it? I got notes for all of you. I got notes for all Dude, of you. Dude, this was cool. Like, this was cool when he sent this to me. I was like, all right. Uh, like, it was it was an interesting take. All right, hang on. Let me pull this up for you. Because I got what I, a little abbreviated version of what I sent to Jeff. But essentially, the idea with uh, progesterone steel or pregnenolone steel, the key point is, you know, does cortisol have an effect on progesterone production? Yes, it does. Uh, but it's usually at the brain level. It's the feedback loop from the top. So, Star protein binds to cholesterol um, of anything you need, you know, for any given hormone that you need to basically create. And so the making of cortisol happens in a particular cell in the adrenal gland. So the making of progesterone happens in a particular cell in the ovaries. So the progesterone steel or pregnenolone steel is basically implying that you're stealing a cholesterol molecule and therefore pregnenolone, basically after that side cleavage enzyme comes along that basically the ovaries and the adrenals that that steel is happening in different cells in different parts of the body at different times. So the question is, can one cell steal ingredients from another cell? Hmm. Um, because cells don't steal from each other's mitochondria, uh, basically from each other's, you know, endoplasmic reticulum, excuse me, endoplasmic reticulum or mitochondria. Um, so with cholesterol being that first step, taking progesterone, you know, won't directly raise cortisol in the mitochondria. Um, it can't really insert itself like that. So basically the idea is, is adrenals have kind of these different layers. So we have different um, components. If you were to like look at the adrenals in a cross section where different hormones are produced. Um, and then the ovaries obviously play a role in uh, women's reproductive health. And so while I think the pregnenolone steel or progesterone steel is a great like colloquial way of making the average person understand why cortisol influences reproductive hormones. I think like from a scientific perspective, really what's happening is that feedback in the brain is causing changes in releasing hormones and stimulating hormones that are then influencing what the ovaries are actually doing and compromising progesterone production. Um, same thing with could be said like, you know, cortisol can influence star protein, which can influence testosterone. It's not that cortisol is not necessarily stealing from testosterone. Yeah. It's influencing the overall production there. So that was kind yeah. of my, my take on it. Sam, I agree with that because the way that a lot of um, functional practitioners explain it, it is a good way of explaining um, the general gist of it, you know, like yeah. that it's a, a huge pool that all the hormones come from. But as you mentioned, you know, the granulosa, the fecal cells that are in the ovaries and the adrenals, you can't, like you said, the cells don't steal from each other. So yeah. You know, and if you read any sort of endocrinology textbook, not like some functional medicine, medicine book, you'll see that, that they've outlined it that way. And it's a very complex 
pathway. Yeah, the easiest way to think of it is, uh-huh. as, as Sue mentioned, you know, ovary has the theca cell and the granulosa cell. Adrenals, you're going to have reticularis, right. um, glomerulosa. Um, so you have to ask, like, why would hormones drop under stress? And really, it's if a high level of stress is perceived, the brain is going to downregulate production uh, by reducing the production of FSH and LH. Um, there's other situations where we can reduce luteal phase progesterone as well. Um, but typically that's caused by, you know, different issues, whether it's like insulin resistance or oxidative stress and inflammation. Uh, right. But typically, you know, physiological stress, whether it's, inf- you know, whether it's uh, insulin resistance, inflammation, um, psychological stressors, what's showing up is in the brain's production from those stimulating hormones that happen downstream. So I actually have a really cool diagram that I can send you guys, but it's basically, it's, yeah, slices, that'd be cool. it's basically the cells, you know, you can look at the adrenals has the three components and it shows mm-hmm. like, okay, so in one component of the adrenals, you have aldosterone or aldosterone. Um, in one component of the adrenals, you have cortisol. Another side, you've got DHEA sulfate. Um, in the ovaries, you know, you could look at, you know, the production of estradiol or testosterone. And it's basically each one is kind of an intracellular environment. It's its own compartment. So you're not going to steal from another compartment. But what happens in one compartment, like if I'm cranking cortisol production, you can't tell me that what happens in that compartment doesn't influence the other one. I think what happened is over time, they tried to simplify things to explain it to people and use that hormone pool, as Sue said, but it's really kind of different hormone pools. And what's happening is that end product is creating a negative feedback to the brain, which is then influencing the, the production of the other hormones. Okay. It obviously I like that. I mean, I, I'm going to teach it both ways then. Yeah, dude. Okay. I thought it was cool. Tell me, me, you have like 30 seconds left. So thank you so much uh, for joining us. Guys, next week we have Joe Jeffrey from across the pond joining oh, us. Oh, to discuss nice. All things estrogen. So that would be great. Um, Joe's always fun. So we're going to have a good time with him. But Sam, thank you so much for joining us. This episode was definitely. Bad. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, man. Y'all have a good day, guys. See you guys. All righty. Bye.